0: How sweet are thy words unto my taste! Yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth! Through thy precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, and a light unto my path. Because
1: all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of the grass. The grass withers, and the flower falls away. But the word of the Lord endures for ever now this is the word which by the gospel was preached to you
2: our series of lessons on the biblical christianity podcast is what did jesus do what did jesus do often we hear people ask the question even at one point in time it would become very trendy to wear bracelets and trinkets on your necklace that said what wwjd what would jesus do but a more relevant question is what did jesus do god has told us how the savior came how he lived how he thought and how he died. My name is Terrence Brownlow Dindy. Welcome to the Biblical Christianity Podcast. As always, got by my side my faithful colleague. The Dean of Students at the Texas School of Preaching, one of our elders at the BCS Church of Christ, and our faithful instructors in the school, Brother Tom Moore. Mm-hmm. Always good to be by your side, my good brother. Same here, brother. And then again in the studio today, got one of my dear friends, a beautiful colleague, one of our faithful instructors at the Texas School of Preaching, and also an elder at the San Angelo Congregation, 9th and Main yes, in sir. San Angelo, Texas. And so Mike Bonner is with us, man. Good to have you, brother. Glad to be here. Appreciate it. Yes, sir, man. We uh, want to get back to talking about what did you... Jesus do The idea here is we don't have to wonder about what our Savior's sentiments or perspectives were on any given situation in life. Christ came to this earth on our behalf. He tabernacled in the flesh. He confronted all manners of men, all manners of doctrines, all manners of situations, whether they be moral or political or ecclesiastical. No matter what it was, Christ confronted it, and then thereby, because of the record that we have in our Bible, we're able to note how Christ dealt with these things. And then, of course, we're also called in the Scriptures to emulate Christ's actions and his, his mindset and his, and his perspectives on these things. And so you know, what Christ did wouldn't even matter to us if it were not for the case that God says, here's how you need to deal with these things as well. Have mm-hmm. this mind in you. Which was also in Christ, Paul says in the book of Philippians, chapter two, verse number five. How many times does Christ himself tell us that you have me in it as an example? Go over to John chapter thirteen, verse number fifteen. He tells his disciples after he washes their feet to demonstrate to them the servitude that is absolutely imperative in the kingdom, says, What I've done to you, you do to each other. Right. You got me for an example, Peter says, where his suffering is concerned, in first Peter chapter one, verse twenty to twenty-two. That he left us an example that we should follow in his footsteps, and so whatever Christ did, we want to emulate or mimic him. And today, we want to deal with how Christ dealt with the holy scriptures. Mm -hmm. And so, whenever Christ comes to this earth and begins to minister to men, before uh, the consummate act of dying on the cross of Calvary and being resurrected by the Father and ascended, sending back to his throne, um, he he dealt with humanity. He had the scriptures at his disposal. And, of course, the context would be that we'd have the Old Testament Scriptures. You and I have all the Scriptures today, right, Brother Tom?
1: Exactly right. You know, I think one of the problems with a lot of people and their poor hermeneutics is they don't really love the Word of God like they claim they do. Yes, sir. Because there are a lot of people who treat God's Word like Jehoiakim. You remember he uh, cut the Word of God Mm -hmm. up with his penknife and threw it into fire? Yes, sir. But we need to have more of the attitude of the psalmist in Psalm 119, verse 97. Oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day. Mm -hmm. If you have a true love for the Word of God, a true love for its inspiration, then you're going to be very, very careful how you deal with the Word of God that's exactly right another
0: thing as we consider the word read mm-hmm. when I think of hermeneutics the art and science of interpreting scripture really it goes back to reading well Yes, reading well mm-hmm. and remember what Jesus said on one occasion Matthew 24 when you read the book of Daniel you need to understand what you're reading that's it. Paul would say in Ephesians 3 and verse number 4 whereby when you read you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ mm-hmm. it's reading so if I'm not reading how do I have the attitude of Matthew 4, verse number 4, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceed out of the mouth of God, if I'm not reading.
2: That's mm-hmm. right. That's exactly right. That's where it all begins. God saves us through a word, the Bible says, in so many different places. Romans chapter 1, and verse number 16, That's Paul, right. the, the very famous Uh, declaration I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ it is the power of God unto salvation Mm -hmm, for everyone who believes it the Jew first also the Gentile James in chapter 1 verse number 18 of his own will begat he us by the word of truth that we might be a type of first fruits of his creatures if you don't understand that poetic language then go down a couple of verses to verse number 21 where he says lay aside all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls and so with the vast importance of this word we need to love it Mm-hmm. as you said and we that's need right. to read it that's right and then we need to employ sound hermeneutical principles to be able to understand that right. and and then of course those of us who are preachers and teachers we also are charged with the responsibility of helping others to understand it I love Nehemiah 88 that's, that's our right. motto at the Texas school of preaching so they read in the book and the law of God distinctly and gave the sense and caused the people to understand the reading mm-hmm.
1: you know we think about that attitude of loving and reading and giving the, the distinct message of it. None of that can occur if we don't really have the respect for the Word of God that we ought to have. Yes. Jesus, what would Jesus do? Mm -hmm. Well, Jesus would have respect with of the scriptures. Mm -hmm. You know, and they're accusing Jesus here of not respecting the scriptures. That's right. And that's why he says what he does there in in Matthew chapter five, Mm -hmm. beginning in verse 17, he says, think not that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I came not to destroy, but to fulfill. Mm -hmm. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass away from the law till all be accomplished. Mm -hmm. Whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments and shall teach men so shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But... Whosoever shall do and teach them, Mm -hmm. he shall be called great in the kingdom of God. You know, you cannot look at that passage without saying Jesus had massive respect for the word of God. And I appreciate that, Brother Tom,
0: because when I consider John 12, verse 48 and following, Jesus said, He that rejected me and received not my word had one to judge him. The Mm -hmm. words that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. Now watch this point. If I have not spoken of my own authority, mm. Jesus, why do you have a uh, respect for the Word of God? Because I don't speak of my own authority, yeah. but the Father who gave me what to say and what to speak. You know, when we're representing someone else, we ought to have enough respect for him to represent them well. Yes, I remember yeah. talking to a person just the other day. I said, "If you're going to quote me, you better quote me right." Man. man, yes, sir, brother, man, what a what a <laughs> just a good thought,
2: man. What a good thought. I mean, this we talk about. <clears throat> pardon me, integrity. That's what it comes down to as we handle God's word integrity. That's right. And that's what you're talking about, Brother Mike, and that's what you just read, Brother Tom. That's Jesus right. Christ handled the scriptures with integrity. had respect that's right. for number one his father, because that's where the word comes from. That's what Brother Mike's pointing out. And then he had respect for his father's word. You cannot have respect for the father. That's right. No, have respect for his word. You see, you quote it from John chapter 12, verse number 48. And if we understand the structure of that statement, what Jesus Christ is doing is equating <clears throat> I'm sorry, I'm a little bit scratchy this morning. <clears throat> but Jesus Christ is equating his a people's rejection of him to a rejection of the word. That's yeah. exactly and right. And the converse is also true. Then by the same token, if you accept Christ, what that means is accepting his word. And you cannot do one without the other. You cannot have one without the other. So brother Tom, the Matthew chapter chapter five, verse number seventeen through nineteen. This is the quintessential passage of scripture that places a premium upon us making sure that we handle God's word correctly, and we look at Jesus Christ as our primary example of how that is done. We look at those three verses to begin this text. You know, Jesus Christ is about to get into some some very in depth hermeneutical <clears throat> principles that we have to recognize throughout the remainder of this passage. But he begins the whole. S- this, this whole aspect of the sermon by talking about the fact that he respected God's word, like you said, they're accusing him of, of mishandling God's word, his law, and Christ says, absolutely not. I didn't come to destroy the law. We have brethren today that would be very happy for the law to be destroyed. We know yeah. there are people mm-hmm. in the world that have done their level best, as they say. To de- try to destroy God's work.
1: You know, when I, when I look at this passage, something that really jumps out at me is in verse 18. He says, not one jot or one tittle shall pass away till all be fulfilled. That tells me that every single point, no matter how small or how large, is important to God. And I remember that uh, oh, quite a few years ago, there was uh, people would come out and say, well, we don't sweat the small stuff. Right. When it comes to the word of God, well, I always ask him, well, who told you that was small stuff? Yes, sir. Right? You know, everything in God's words is important. Jesus realized that. And then he says there in verse 19 if you teach people that the word of God is not to be reverenced, if the word of God is not to be held in high esteem, if you sweat, don't sweat the small stuff, and you teach men to do mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. I mean, you're in big bad trouble.
2: That's a problem. In, in Matthew chapter 23, verse number 23, look, you pay the, the tithe of men and, and ice and cumin, but you neglected, neglected excuse me, the weightier matters mm-hmm. of the law, you know, mm-hmm. faith and judgment and mercy. He says, these you ought to have done and not left the others undone. Mm-hmm. So Christ says, That you do the big things, you do the small things. And again, Christ stands in a position of authority, perhaps to be able to say what things are are big and what things are small. As you mentioned, Brother Tom, we as men don't have any such authority. If God said to do it, we do it. There is no small stuff when it comes to God's word.
1: Do you notice that phrase, and shall teach men so? Mm -hmm. And then throughout this context, you'll say, verse 21, Ye have heard it was said, Mm -hmm. but I say unto you. Right. Ye have heard it said, but I say unto you. That's it. Time and time again through here.
0: You know, uh, listening to y'all and thinking about Jesus' respect for the scriptures, it made me think about a few things, if I could take about a quick minute or so. In John 15, verse 9 and 10, as the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. How did God demonstrate his love to his son? He gave him his word. Mm -hmm. How do we demonstrate our love to Jesus Christ? We keep his word. Uh And so Jesus would not have kept his father's word if he didn't have respect for it. That's it. All right. Another thing I was thinking about as it relates to Jesus' respect for God's word is demonstrated when he was talking to those men on the road to Emmaus. And when you think of uh, Luke chapter 24 and verse number 25 and following, he says, then he said to them, 'O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken ought not the Christ to have suffered these things to enter into his glory and beginning at Moses, and all the prophets He expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. The word expounded there is the word dia hermoneuo, which literally means that he made point for point for point concerning the law of Moses and the prophets. If you don't have respect for the authority of the scriptures, you're not going to even read the prophets. Some people don't even know anything about the prophets, and they're trying to make points concerning prophecy, and you don't know anything about the prophets. That's
2: a problem, isn't it? (laughs) And so, again, Jesus has great authority a great authority and great respect for the scriptures and and we've got to have the same thing i mean just think about it from a logical perspective if god himself tabernacles in the flesh and exhibits a profound respect for the scriptures and rightly divided the old testament scripture then how much more so is that incumbent (laughs) upon every last one of us and so if we keep moving here through looking at how jesus dealt with the scriptures Number one, he had great respect for the scriptures. But in the second place, he recognized those who did not respect God's word. And so, Brother Tom, if we continue there, beginning at verse number 20, or just looking at verse number 20, what does that passage teach us?
1: It says, For I say unto you that except your righteousness exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, ye shall in no wise enter into the kingdom of heaven. You know, here's another point to where we recognize those, point out those who don't have respect for the Word of God. Your righteousness has to exceed in quality Mm -hmm. the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees. They had... Their so called righteousness. Right. And notice it's used in context with how they're dealing with the Word of God. Yes, that's so and, important. You know, if we're not dealing righteously with the Word of God, and we're going to see in the next verses through there that if they were not, and Jesus had to correct it, uh, if we're not dealing righteously with the Word of God, uh, then uh, we're not going to be able to enter the kingdom of heaven.
2: That's right, Brother Mike.
1: I love that Brother Tom
2: points out the context, man. So many times people become guilty of just ripping passage of scripture or verses out of their context and then trying to make some type of argument or doctrine with a scripture just taken out of context. I've heard this done with this particular verse right. so much in my life, Matthew chapter 5, verse number 20. I've heard people try to utilize this to talk about tithing and how tithing is a New Testament concept. It's totally, totally deranged thought that's right. By taking the scripture totally out of its context, both the verses that precede it, and the verses that proceeded all deal with how one handles God's word. And so whenever Jesus Christ says, accept your righteousness, exceed that of the scribes and the Pharisees, that is the context, how mm-hmm. they were handling
0: God's word. Another thing, when we consider this text in its context, because from this point forward, we would have Jesus said, you have heard it said, but I say. Mm-hmm. And so the key word to this text in verse number 20 is the word enter, the Greek word ace erikomai. But enter into what? The kingdom. Yeah. So there was a righteousness that one had to have in order to enter into the kingdom of God concerning the Old Testament. You was just born into that system. right. But in this particular system, you're born into this system, John 3, 3 through 5, by way of water and spirit. And so here, Jesus said, uh, they will... Uh, except your righteousness succeeds the the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Well, how do you enter into the kingdom of heaven today? Through the gospel message. That's it. Through the gospel message. things got to be rightly divided. That's right. Even
2: Josephus, the Jewish historian, speaks to this, this idea of how the Pharisees would handle God's word as he was contemplating which of the big three of the Jewish sects that he was going to join, he tells us in in his antiquities that he was contemplating in his lifetime either joining up with the Essenes or the Pharisees or the scribes. Ultimately, he decides upon the Pharisees, but he tells you in his own words kind of what the difference between the scribes and Pharisees were. He says that the Pharisees were those who were more concerned about the tradition of their fathers. That's what they perpetuated, while the Sadducees were more concerned about about the letter of the law. And so from a biblical perspective, from a religious perspective, you would have more respect for the way the Sadducees handled the word than you would the way that the Pharisees did, just from a hermeneutical perspective. Now, both of them had their flaws that Jesus Christ constantly had to deal with, but we're talking about hermeneutics today, and the Sadducees were more hermeneutically Righteous than were the Pharisees because they weren't concerned with what the Word of God had to say. They were concerned with what we wanted to promote, what we thought, right. and 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 so that's what the that's the next thing that we deal with in this text is when we, as we examine what Christ did. Pardon me, concerning hermeneutics and the handling of the Scriptures, He shows us three classes of disrespect. So first of all, He Himself shows you that He had a profound an unwavering respect for God's word. He's not going to destroy the law. He's not going to break commandments. He's going to fulfill the law. He's going to respect God's commandments. We need to do the same. Mm -hmm. In the second place, he recognizes those who will not respect God's word. He calls the Pharisees and the scribes, again, out by name. Here are the guys who have set themselves up as your professors, as your teachers, as your biblical scholars. we got brethren today who set themselves up as biblical scholars but will not be faithful to the word of God, that's a problem. I don't care how many PhDs you got. And I don't have any problem with education. We're educated men as well. But guess what, man? Don't get so educated that you lose your mind. Your brains fall out of your ears not being faithful to God's word. But then Christ wants to show you three levels of disrespect that is very common. And from a hermeneutical perspective, we call those these. Number one, we uh, look at sub-interpretation. That is the idea of stopping short. And where the scriptures expect you to go, and then you have super interpretation the idea of going too far, farther than what the scriptures allow you to go, and then you have misinterpretation just getting it wrong altogether, yeah. just disregarding what the Bible says altogether. So, let's talk about that a minute.
1: Well, you know, I want to back up one second here to again emphasize how important this is, sir. Sure. Hermeneutics, how we understand the Bible, is vital because we can't go to heaven if we're doing it wrong. That's, right? that's correct. So in this passage in Matthew chapter 5, verses 21 through 30, we won't read the whole thing because of time, but I want to read the first two verses that kind of gives you an idea what it's all about. Mm-hmm. He says, You have heard that it was said to them of old, Thou shalt not kill, and whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. Well, that's right. But Jesus said, But I say unto you that everyone who is angry with his brother shall be in danger of the judgment. And whosoever shall call his brother Rekha shall be in danger of the council. And whosoever shall say thou fool shall be in danger of the hellfire. It is right that you ought not to murder. But they stopped there. That's right. They didn't get back to the attitude that was behind uh, the murder, right? right? And so it's the hatred. And that's where today people stop short uh, in the scriptures in so many places. They'll go up to a point, perhaps the point they like, and, but they don't deal with the things or the issues that mm-hmm. undergirds what's going on.
0: And to me, in my interpretation of this text, it solidifies the Matthew 520, what I just stated. Mm-hmm. The scribes and the Pharisees being born into Judaism, then they had to just learn how to obey God. But according to John 6, and 45, you have to learn God. You have to learn Jesus and you are born. That's it. And so the righteousness is different. The righteousness is now you're entering in through Jesus Christ and it's a different mentality. You've heard it said this way, but it's this way. Yeah. So Brother Tom makes an excellent point. You're stopping too short. You need to go all the way. You need to go all
2: the way. We see that so much in the world today. Mm-hmm. Our Protestant friends and neighbors well, all you point. have to do is believe Great in point. Jesus Christ. Talking about mental ascent, just recognize that Christ is Lord in order to be saved. Well, man, you stop way short, way short of so much of what the Bible has to say. And look, you know, we can go to John three sixteen. I love that passage That's of right. Scripture. I love it, and I would, by the way, argue that baptism is all over that passage. Right. <laughs> <laughs> they they, they, they quoted to one. try to say that you don't <laughs> have to be baptized, but but Jesus Christ says, "Whosoever believeth in." Him. That's, that's a location. Right. There's only one way to get in him. That's right. And that's through baptism. Galatians 3.27 27. And right. Romans 6 3 4. And so, but they stop short of where they need to go. So many times people do that. Jesus Christ gives you another example of that when he talks about this adultery thing. Verse number 27, you have heard that it was said by them of old time, thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you, that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her has committed adultery already in his heart. so they stop short of what God expected in that commandment. God doesn't want you to physically lay down with a woman that's not your wife, or if you're married, lay down with a woman who's, or if a woman is married, lay down with a woman who is another man's wife. But God says, I don't even want you envisioning it. I don't want you mentally conceptualizing it.
1: You know, people have trouble with pornography or doing this very thing here. Yeah, I'm not going to go out there and and have yes. sex with a woman, but I'm sure going to look at it on TV, that's, right. yeah. that's pulling short. That's that exactly is sure. sub-interpretation. That's exactly And right. any doctrine in the Bible can be done that way.
0: That's right and when we're honest with ourselves, and this is very convicting, it should be convicting for us as men of God to make sure that we guard our minds, guard our hearts, Proverbs four twenty three. to be like Job when he said in Job 31, in verse number one, I made a covenant with my eyes. And so we constantly have to be asking ourselves, what am I looking at? What am I thinking on? Why? Because I wanna make sure that First Peter 1, in verse 15 and 16, I'm being holy even as my God is holy. Yes, exactly right. Exactly right, brother.
2: Good points. And so the next thing that Jesus Christ begins to deal with in a couple of examples is this idea of super interpretation. Now he goes from people who stop short of what God expects you to understand to people who go beyond what God expects you to understand. And so he begins there in verse number 31, where he says this has been said, whosoever shall put away his wife, let him give her a writing of divorcement. But I say unto you, whosoever shall put away his wife, saving for the cause of fornication causes her to commit adultery, and whosoever shall marry her that is divorced committeth adultery. And so they've gone too far now, they've gone into this realm of we can uh, put our wives' away for any cause so long as we give her a written bill of divorcement. Mm-hmm. And you've gone beyond what God ever said or what Moses ever intended over in Deuteronomy chapter mm-hmm. 24, verses one
1: through four. You know, Jesus says one reason. That's it. And that's adultery. That's it. One reason. And like you say, people now say, well, what th- has happened now is that people have also, uh, Change the meaning of words. Yes, sir. Like I had one guy teach me. Well, yes, I agree. This only for adultery, but they say adultery is a breaking of the covenant. (laughs) Right. You know. I said, What do you mean? Well, you know, if she burns a biscuit, she has broke the covenant with me because I don't <laughs> like burned biscuits. You know, but that that's the mentality. You know, that you know, where does that go, man? Yeah, the yeah breaking I mean, of the covenant, you know. It went right where they took it. Yeah, man, you, you got too big in the hips. She broke the covenant, man. You, man, you go right. way too far. God says one reason, one reason only. That's super interpretation. That's adding to what God said.
0: When you go too far, then you'll have the apostle Paul contradicting jesus that's it first corinthians chapter 7 verse number 15 well i mean god wants me to be happy and and because god wants me to be happy you know uh, you know i'm not in bondage well hold mm-hmm. on stop in mm-hmm. first corinthians 14 37 we talked about this in our last podcast we understand that paul said that the things that i write unto you there are the commandments of the lord which demonstrates to me that whatever Paul is talking about, it can't contradict what Jesus said in Matthew chapter five, verse 31 and 32, Matthew chapter 19, verses one through 12, Luke chapter 16, verse number 18, Mark chapter 10, verses one through 10. I mean, it can't contradict that. So you need to go back to your hermeneutical um, groundwork and start over again. That's Mm -hmm. exactly
2: right. Stay in there in 1 Corinthians chapter seven and verse number 24. Listen, I heard this just the other day. Paul says, brethren, let every man wherein he is called therein abide with God. And they're trying to utilize that one verse, <laughs> yes. snatch out of its context, to say that if I'm, a, you know, I, I recognize I'm in an adulterous marriage, but didn't Paul say in whatever situation you wow. are in when you're called to abide therein? We've got brethren yeah. of high levels of education that have mutilated and misused that passage trying to facilitate marriages that God does not approve of and i tell you what man this it, it's been heartbreaking mm-hmm. i mean this is a long standing thing the church has been dealing with i'm talking about decades and we could call some names of some men who espouse yeah. these false doctrines and infiltrated a large portion of the lord's church with this nonsense and so, again, going too far, superinterpretation. You're trying to force into 1 Corinthians chapter 7, sure. verse number 24, something that does, does not go there. You that's think right. Paul is endorsing an adulterous marriage no, here? Sir. When he says that, man, we have lost our hermeneutical minds if that's what we believe that this passage is teaching
1: us. Exactly right. You know, and again, this can be applied to any doctrine any in doctrine. the Bible. That's, that's right. right. When a man does not like what he sees, he just adds to
0: it. Just add to it. That's right. You
1: know, and it, it t- you know, there is a, in uh, Deuteronomy chapter 4 and verse 2, we're told not to add to or take That's away right. from the Word of That's God. That's right. Proverbs chapter 30 and verse 6, we're mm-hmm. told not to add to or take away from God's Word. That's right. Revelation 22, 18 and 19, don't add to or take away from That's God's right. Word. That's it. That's a warning in the beginning, in the middle, at the end of the Bible. That's right. Not to add to. Or take away from God's word. Well, you That's know, right. Brother
0: Dendy talked about highly educated men. Well, a highly educated man doesn't equal a highly integrity man of <laughs> high integrity. That's, That's right. That's know? exactly so, right.
2: That's a great point, Brother Mike. Look, let's go to the last point. Our time is fleeting from us. And so Jesus Christ not only dealt with the hermeneutical problems of subinterpretation, superinterpretation, but he also deals with misinterpretation. When you get to verse number 38, go down to verse number 48, sometimes people would just absolutely miss it altogether as far as what god intended for you to understand about a passage of scripture and again this the idea is just to study harder uh, to maybe get some help if that's what's needed that's right. sometimes people just don't have an understanding or an understanding is not complete uh, apollos was guilty Great of sub interpretation he wasn't going he had stopped short he stopped at john's baptism and guess what two people take him to the side and teach him the way of God more accurately or more perfectly. Uh, And we find in the book of Acts chapter 18, 19. And so, you know, a lot of times false teachers want to cast themselves into the mold of Apollos. I've heard that so much that it makes me sick. I'll just be honest. You know, well, what about Apollos? What about Apollos? What about Apollos? Here's a man that was corrected and he stood corrected. He made the correction and he kept going forward having been corrected. He accepted Mm-hmm. People teaching him the way of God more carefully or more perfectly. And that just does not describe so many false teachers in the Lord's church today. They have been confronted both privately and, per- and, and publicly. Right. People make a big deal and want to cry about whether or not we confronted these people privately. I know false teachers are confronted privately and will not change. They're not Apollos. All right, so the last one real quickly is misinterpretation. It begins at verse number 38 where Christ says, You have heard that it was said... Uh, it's been said, an eye for an eye, and tooth for a tooth, by saying to you that you resist not evil, but whosoever shall smite thee on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. We've got very minimal amount of time to deal with this one. But real quickly, the Bible teaches us that God had implemented in the law of Moses some, some precepts that concern his justness. That's right. Whenever God says, here is the just due or consequence for this infraction, then we can take it to the bank. That is the correct punishment for that infraction. That's a good point. What God did not allow men to do is to take that passage and utilize it as a license to exact revenge exactly right. whenever they themselves are wrong. They misunderstood this passage.
1: You know, and also I think we fail to realize sometimes that the old law was also a civil law for God's people. That's, that's right. You know, and right. so there were some aspects in that. And here's one of the things that I realize, people say today like, well, you know, it's, uh, it's so unkind and unloving and ungodlike to inflict the uh, capital punishment. Right. Well, God did it. That's God right. implemented it. If God says it's okay, then I guess it's okay, right? Exactly. But like you say, we, there's a difference between justice and revenge. That's right. And he's showing very clearly mm-hmm. uh, that issue. And then he uh, brings in love with that, the agape love. That's you right. know? And that's going to prevent that. We need to be mature mm-hmm. in the kind of love God had as he dealt with With these things, that's right. You know, I know we're coming to
0: to a conclusion here, and in Ecclesiastes 8 and verse number 11, to your justice point, there the Bible demonstrates to us because the sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily, therefore, the hearts of the sons of men is fully set in them to do evil. You gotta have justice. If not, you're gonna have sin running rampant. Mm -hmm. Well, in 2020 in the United States of America, we just let justice go out the window, (laughs) and you had people looting and burning up other people's property. And the next thing you know, you got chaos going on. But that's a difference between Romans 13, Romans 12 verse 19. I'm sorry, when God tells us through the Apostle Paul, "Vengeance is mine," said the Lord, "I'll repay." That's it. And so God is calling us, Hebrews 5 12 through 14, to discern. That's it. You gotta pay it attention and discern what's going on that's
2: exactly right and then handle the scriptures properly that's right as you're doing so again man we appreciate it It always seems like our time here goes so quickly good study today brothers and we certainly hope it's been beneficial to those of you who are listening in on the biblical christianity podcast again our email address is on the screen if you would like to write to us and and give us a question or a comment about something that was said today or any of our podcasts feel free to do so
1: and lord willing we'll see you on next time